Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. How many of you remember your baptism? A few. Many of you were baptized as infants and certainly don't recall that day. Some of you may have been baptized as older children, teenagers, or even as adults, and do have memories of that special moment. I was baptized when I was nine years old. Now you would think that this would be an important day in my life. You might actually think that I would celebrate it maybe every year. I really should be able to tell you what day it was, how it happened, and who was there. Well, I would think that too. Until one day I got a form from the conference, which loves to send ministers paperwork, asking me to fill out important dates like my birthday, my ordination, and my baptism date. And going through that form, I realized I couldn't recall the exact date of my baptism. I finally had to call my childhood church and sheepishly ask them to find the date for me. So how often do you think about your baptism? Do you think about it once a week? Do you think about it once a month? We probably do think about it when we see someone get baptized. But truthfully, most of us probably do not think about our baptism all that much or all that often. Yet, it is clear from Scripture that our baptism into the Christian community is very important. It is so important that we need to reflect on it again and again on what baptism says to us about our living. Baptism gives us a new way of seeing and being. It is the agent that colors and shapes our worship, our family life, our relationship with God and the world. Time out for a history lesson. Let's turn the clock back now to the year 300 AD. It's Easter morning. For weeks now, the new converts have been preparing for this special occasion. They have been through rigorous examinations. They have received a three-year period of instructions. They have been watched carefully by the church. As Easter approached, they were given their final instruction in the gospel and went through daily exorcisms. The Thursday night before Easter, the candidates bathed. On Friday and Saturday, they fasted. On Saturday, an exorcism was performed. They spent this last night in vigil, reading, and instruction. As Easter began to dawn, prayers were said over the baptismal waters. The church paused to remember the many waters of their history, the Red Sea crossing, Moses and the water from the rock, the River Jordan, the living water the Lord had spoken of. The candidates were anointed with oil three times during the service. The first anointing was the anointing of exorcism because they renounced Satan and all his works. Then they were led into the water and asked three questions. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in God the Son? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Then after the baptism, they were anointed again with what they call the oil of thanksgiving. 
then clothed with a white robe and led into the congregation to be presented to the bishop. There, hands were laid on their heads, and for the first time, they were allowed to receive communion. And then, a third time, they were touched with the sign of the cross in oil. This was fragrant, sweet-smelling bath oil. It gave a cleansing, soothing scent of being refreshed and renewed. It was poured on new Christians at their baptism. The early Christians also promised not to bathe for at least one week after being baptized so that they could hold on and cling to that symbol of being cleansed. For those that receive such a lengthy period of training and rich ceremony, baptism must have been an experience that they never forgot. The act of baptism was a parable of the believer's entire experience. The context of today's message comes from Paul's letter to the church, telling us to lead a life worthy of our calling to lead a life worthy of our calling. How are you doing at that? For three chapters, Paul has written a letter about his vision of the church. It's a beautiful, beautiful vision. The church of Jesus Christ is to unite all people in him through the church. All of the people, the alienated, the strangers, the separated, those without hope. He talks of breaking down walls and reconciling the broken things into wholeness. He says it is possible to know the depth, breadth, height, and width of the love of Christ and to be filled with the fullness of God. And he says God will do this for us. Now this was Paul's vision, but the reality were miles apart. The church in Paul's time was clearly a church in trouble. They were divided over many, many things. Some wanted to return to the comforts of law and regulation, while others wanted to shed all of the rules and just run free. Culture pressed down on them, and life was hard. Faith sometimes flickered low. They fought among themselves and within themselves, this little outpost of the gospel found it hard in a secular world to remember their baptism. Perhaps not so much has changed. One of my most memorable baptisms that I ever did was in prison. One of my parishioners asked me to baptize her uncle who was in the state reformatory. Now, I had reservations about going, reservations that probably any of us might have had concerning such a, a baptism that it might just be a convenient way to get early release on parole or maybe some kind of sick sentimentalism or perhaps just a desperate need for pastoral approval and acceptance. This man had done a horrible thing, but my parishioner knew him well and was convinced of a genuine repentance. The man's family had visited him and offered him a new kind of forgiveness. He had found the astonishing mercy of God. For him now, this wasn't trying to get something. This was in response to something that he had received. 
He was ready for repentance and new life. This baptism was an event that the word joy is too tame and too tepid of a word to describe it. There were just three of us allowed to be present. The guard, the volunteer prison chaplain, and me. We sang Amazing Grace. He had requested to be immersed. The baptistry was a wooden box lined with plastic and filled with water. It looked just like a coffin. And this was probably as it should be, for this man had died and was being reborn. After lowering him into his liquid grave, that water was very cold. But after it was done, the man didn't want to leave. He just stood there in that water, in that box, wearing those wet clothes, dripping, weeping for joy. And when he finally stepped out, he said, I want to wear these clothes forever, as long as I can. In fact, I wish I never had to shower again. We sat outside in the prison courtyard for a long time as the sun dried his clothing, and I listened to him speak about how it felt to be free in Christ. Baptism changes who we are. It changes our identity. We need to remember our baptism so that we can live changed lives as those who have been invited into the family of God. Martin Luther, the great reformer from Germany, found great meaning in remembering his own baptism. In his catechism, he wrote, to appreciate and use baptism, we must draw strength and comfort from it when our sins or our conscience oppress us. We must say to ourselves, I am baptized. I have the promise that I shall be saved and have eternal life. And when he was struggling, he was known to mutter out loud under his breath, I am baptized. I am baptized. Luther was baptized in the 1500s when he was one day old. He had no memory of it. There were no photographs of that day. But whenever he needed spiritual strength, he would remember his baptism because that meant that he was a part of the family of God. And although life might not go the way he wanted it to, he knew that God would be with him through all eternity. There's a story that reminds us of baptism. A little boy was visiting his grandparents and was given his first slingshot. He practiced in the woods, but he could never hit his target. So he went back to his grandmother's backyard where he saw her pet duck. On an impulse, he took aim and let it fly. The stone hit, the duck fell dead. The little boy panicked desperately. He hid the dead duck in the woodpile, only to look up and see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all, but said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash these dishes. But Sally said, oh, Grandma, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if anybody wanted to go fishing, 
Oh, Sally said, yes, she wanted to go, but Grandma said, oh, Sally, I need you to help me fix some, some cookies. And Sally said, oh, that's taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. And again, she remembered and said to Johnny, remember the duck. So Johnny stayed to help Grandma while Sally went fishing. Several days went like this. Johnny was doing both his chores and Sally's, and finally he couldn't stand it any longer, and he confessed to his grandmother that he had killed the duck. I know, Johnny, Grandma said. I was standing at the window, and I saw the whole thing. I forgive you. I was wondering how long you would let Sally make a slave out of you. Today, what is your duck? What duck do you keep letting remind you every day of your shortfalls and your shortcomings? It is so much easier to remember our sins than it is to recall our salvation, isn't it? It's easier to see the cracks and the broken places in our own lives than to feel the strength of God's Spirit that holds us together. It's no coincidence that immediately after Jesus' own baptism, Satan appears on the scene to tempt him in the wilderness. But while Satan tempted Jesus to show his true strength, he tempts us to give in to our weaknesses. Satan whispers in our ear, remember the duck. Remember where you lost. Remember where you failed. And we all have those people in our lives that are constantly whispering in our ear, remember the duck. To begin this new year, we need a new whispering in our ear, the sound of rushing water. It is the water from the Jordan through which the people and the Ark of the Covenant passed to enter into the Promised Land. It is the water that flowed from the temple, becoming deeper and deeper. It is the water with which each of us were baptized by John. It is the water that became wine at Cana. It is the healing water of the pool of Bethesda. It is the water by which we wash each other's feet. The water flowing from Jesus' side is all of this but much, much more because it is the water by which he gives us his innermost self and makes us part of communion with the Father. It is the water that becomes a spring in us, welling up to eternal life. This year, remember your baptism. Remember God's grace. Remember you were bought with a price. Remember who you belong to and go and proclaim to the world the good news of Jesus Christ. Today, you have an opportunity to mark yourself again with water to remember your baptism, to know once again that you are claimed by God forever. Let us pray. Gracious God, before the world had shape and form, your spirit moved over the waters. Out of the waters of the deep, you brought forth the earth to sustain all life, in the time of Noah, you washed the earth with waters of the flood, and your ark of salvation bore a new beginning. 
At the time of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, your people, Israel, passed through the Red Sea waters from slavery to freedom and crossed the flowing Jordan to enter the promised land. And the fullness of time you sent Jesus Christ, who was nurtured in the water of Jordan, became living water to a woman at the well, washed the feet of the disciples, and sent them forth to baptize all nations by water and the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you, O God, who draws us from the water in birth and rebirth, who claims us with love from which nothing can separate. Come now, O God, and send your spirit among us. Bless this water of memory and imagination. Send your spirit to enliven our praise, to strengthen our hands, to guide us in work and in play, in service and in love, to assure us once more that you are ours and we are yours. Amen. I invite you to come forward to this baptismal font and place your finger in the water and then touch your forehead, remembering that you belong to God and are his beloved. <laughs> 